Hey, welcome to Time Limit, the podcast that's all about managing people and projects when you're strapped for time. I'm Brett Harned, and today I'm happy to have Neil Vass from Co-op Digital join me on the show. Neil will talk about it a little bit more, but Co-op is one of the world's largest consumer cooperatives owned by millions of members. It's the UK's fifth biggest food retailer with more than 2,500 stores. Neil is based in Manchester and is an agile delivery manager working on digital projects to complement the in-person co-op experience. Neil and I share an interest in delivery communications, managing teams, and communities of practice. We'll touch on all three things in the interview and drop a lot of ideas and resources on you at the same time. So check it out. Hey, Neil, thanks so much for joining me on Time Limit today. How are you doing? Doing good, thanks. Cheers for having me. Awesome. So we've kind of met through friends of ours in Manchester, which is where you're located, but haven't met in person yet, which is interesting. And I'm hoping that we can make that happen at Deliver Conference in 2020. Um, But I'm really excited to have you on today to talk a little about team, a little bit about team building, staffing, and and I think motivating team members. Um, so maybe to kick it off, if you can just tell us a little bit about the work that you do, and maybe a little bit about the process that your your teams are using to get through projects, that might set a little context for some of your responses. Sure. So I work at uh, the co-op in the UK. So cooperatives are an idea. Started in 1844. This one, where a bunch of workers got together, they didn't like the quality of food that the landed gentry were selling them. So they decided to sell and make things for themselves. Over the last 175 years, that's grown into a huge, big organization. They've got lots of uh, food stores in the UK, as well as doing insurance and uh, funeral care and all kinds of other stuff. So it's huge. It's older than California. uh, And until quite recently, it didn't do a lot of its own digital work. So it was only about three years ago that Co-op decided it's kind of missed the boat on all these digital ways of working. And they formed Co-op Digital almost, it is part of the main co-op, but it almost feels like uh, an agency inside it that will then partner up, work out what the problems are with the different business units and do projects for them. That's so interesting. So what types of projects are you working on then within digital? Uh, So we do quite a lot with food so there's things there like uh, co-op specializes in quite small convenience stores and hasn't done home delivery uh, very much until recently Uh, and it's not something you could really compete with one of the really big supermarkets they've got warehouses and vans and you can't really get into that space and compete with them so they're looking at different options so digital is looking at uh, some e-commerce that would uh, almost compete with getting a takeaway So rather than get a pizza delivered in 30 minutes, use an app that we make as simple and easy as possible to point you towards things that aren't that hard to put together from ingredients. And we'll get an e-bike to get that from your local co-op around to your house in under 30 minutes. So that's a different way of looking at the idea. And maybe that's something people are interested in. That's really interesting. Yeah, go ahead. There's also lots of efficiencies for people in stores. So talking to them about how painful it is or like store managers to work out how many shifts they've got and who wants to work on overtime or is happy to go to different stores. And in other businesses, similar things to manage the logistics of funerals, which traditionally are on 400 different bits of paper. You can now have that all in one easy to use service and you can start to look at the stats from that and see patterns and ideas for efficiency. That's just a couple of things. But Yeah, that's, are, that's a wide range too, huh? It's, yes, it's really different. Really interesting. So... That must mean that you know you're 
you're kind of innovating all the time. You're coming up with new types of projects based on the organization's goals. I'm interested to kind of dig a little bit deeper and talk a, a, about the team. Um, you know, what are the who are the people that you're you're leading now, and what kinds of disciplines are they in? And um, you know, I'd have to imagine that you've got a wide range of folks working there on projects. That's right. Yeah. So I line manage delivery managers, which are that's a name that came from UK government. So I like project manager, scrum master, one of those kind of roles that helps shape the work, helps the team work out what's going and keep it flowing and things like that. Uh, with them on the team, they'd usually pair up with a product manager who helps understand the business problems and gets the stakeholders from the main business on board with the idea of what we're working on. Then the people making the work, we've got engineers, uh, testers, designers, and user research is a big thing we've brought to co-op. So actually being able to go out to the users, whether that's members of the public or members of our own staff, uh, and really see how things work in real life rather than how we imagine it from people in the head office deciding what things to build. Interesting. So as a line manager, actually, I want to say I love the title delivery manager. I think that was a brilliant title that they came up with. And I'm glad to see that it's kind of been carried out because I think that the title project manager doesn't necessarily do the job justice in digital. Um, So I think it's cool that you're carrying that through. Um, But I'm I'm curious about, um, so you said you're a line manager for delivery managers. I'm curious about staffing projects. Um, How how do you determine who's going to be on what project? Do you even have a hand in that? Like, how how does that work in your organization? Mm. So in terms of choosing what individuals will work on, uh, I think there's a good balance here between people are happy to work on what's ever needed on the business, but there's lots of input into, I'm interested in working in this area, or I want skills in this kind of experience. Um, for staffing, like who do we need on a project that started? Uh, we've done a lot of short discoveries or alphas where you just uh, see what this problem is or try and find some cheap way just to run for a short amount of time and learn as much as you can without building too much to decide if it's worth going further. So traditionally, uh, Co-op Digital's done quite a few of those where you would just get a delivery manager or a delivery and product manager on something to start with. So I might be one of those people to say, what what's the general area we want to look into? And what kind of skills do we see being useful here? So that'd be a small team you'd put together. Uh, and we're moving more and more over time as we get more established products onto a long-running product team. Because I think forming teams is expensive. It takes time for people to work out how to get along with each other, how what roles they fit into and what processes work for them. So a long-running product team, once something's live, it's naturally evolved out of one of those small teams and you've gradually added people over time. And then it's a constant balance because there's always more requests for us to do things than it's sensible for us to take on at once. So it tends to be a case of growing up and down over time. Should we try adding a couple of these roles or if somebody thinks we should reform the team in some way, does that mean any other changes? So it's tinkering around the edges rather than trying to plan up front for a year what kind of team would we need. That makes sense. Uh, I guess really it, it comes down to you know, the individual strengths or weaknesses um, when it comes to staffing projects too. And and you figure that stuff out pretty quickly when you're running those tests. But I'm wondering if you've used any specific tactics or, 
even tests identify personality types or even skills or skills gaps with your team members. Um, is there anything in that realm that you've found to be helpful? Yeah, they're quite um, big on doing a thorough inception when a new thing's starting off in Co-op Digital. So often, uh, I know some places I've worked, the kickoff meeting is about half an hour to get an idea of what's going on and you head off to it. Uh, we do a lot more about how does the team want to work together, what strengths are we bringing to it, as well as looking at what's the work and how do we want to challenge it. So that can go on for a few days, which is good because it lets you dig into all kinds of different sessions. Uh, I think about learning how you want to work together. I like exercises like um, a user manual for me, which you'll find if you search on Google, which is a bit of work. Uh, you fill in for yourself before the session, things like things I like, things I'd like to do more of, things I struggle with, uh, ways to know not to interrupt me, all kinds of things about the way you like to work that doesn't come up otherwise. And from that, you can come up with uh, team principles or a charter about how you'd like to work together. Uh, in terms of skills and the gaps we have, uh, the best tool we've found for that is uh, communities of practice, which is where each uh, discipline comes and meets up, say once a week with other people doing the same job in different areas. And it's just a chance to share what you're working on, what you've learned, what new things you'd like to try. And it's a good idea to get that sense of, for my role or other parts, parts of the business, what do people know, what are they finding useful and what things do we think would be use, useful in our team? So it's a good place to either learn those things from people or just identify that's uh, something on your team that you've not got the expertise in. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So it sounds like you do, um, uh, the intake process is basically a, a few days that kind of helps you to sort out things about the project, but also about yourselves or yourselves as a team. How much time do you usually dedicate to that? So I think it's... It's an ongoing thing and it's easy to assume things are fine and carry on. So depending on how much the people know each other already and how new the bit of work is, it can be anything up to a week-long inception. Okay. And uh, I think over time you learn more about, you get, you get more comfortable with each other uh, and you can be vulnerable and a bit more honest about what skills we might feel we don't have or what things people on the team are doing that aren't working with you. I don't think you can make that come out on the first day. So it's something that's useful to revisit frequently. So that's in team retrospectives or other uh, other measures or ways to bring up uh, what behaviours we think are important. What did we agree when we started off as a team? And do we see that getting reflected as we go on? Are we all talking with each other honestly when issues come up? Do we all feel safe to bring up uh, things we're worried about and stuff like that? I like it. So it sounds like there's a real commitment to open and ongoing communication within the teams. Yeah, it's not always uh, there. It's definitely something we work towards more. And I think it's something that it's easy to take for granted. Uh, there's lots of books and interesting studies about the highest performing teams. And it's a story I've seen again and again that you don't take anything for granted. Things like, what's this team important for? What are we all working towards? How can we all help contribute to that? You'd think some people would just know it, but it's things like uh, studies of top surgeons, of Navy SEALs, of all kinds of people you'd think, don't they just know these basics? Uh, the best performing teams are the ones that just relentlessly bring that up and question it and keep, keep reminding each other. And it's like signals to keep it open. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's one of those things that, we know as humans, like we know we have to communicate in order for things to go well, but sometimes we just forget, you know, people get busy, 
you know, something uh, feels stressful or painful and that breaks down. And so it's, it's good to have somebody on the team to kind of foster that communication and, and make sure that people are feeling good about the work that pro- they're producing, but also the process by which they're producing that work. And would you say that that's part of a delivery manager's job in, at the co-op? Yeah, I think you've summed that up really nicely. So that's a really, really important thing. And that is uh, 100% considered essential to how you get things delivered. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice when that lines up with uh, your jobs to get things delivered. And we believe that an important part of that is making people happy and comfortable and able to work well together because that makes you feel good about getting things delivered. Exactly. There are approaches where you hold people's feet to the fire or scream at them until it's done or anything that's been tried over the years in other places. <laughs> so I have to assume that you're running more of an agile process. Am I right in thinking that? That's right, yeah. Okay. So the uh, co-op as a whole uh, was tended to run things in a traditional waterfall planned up front way. So another part of Digital's mission as well as getting interesting, useful stuff for the businesses to use is to help spread agile ways of working, agile approaches to work in general through the main uh, co-op business. Got it. So I have to ask, has how has that transition been? Because, you know, you talk to any kind of agile coach and they'll tell you that, you know, the organization needs to be bought into agile for it to actually work. And it feels like with the work that you're doing, that is absolutely true. Um, so what's that experience been like for you? Really interesting. It's a, it's a difficult thing to approach, especially with uh, somewhere that absolutely has been working well. It's You can come in and shout that everything you've been doing is wrong and you should all do it this new way. But when it's a company that's been fine for 175 years and has plenty of profits to show, right. it's hard taken seriously and I don't think you should you should be too dismissive of what's gone before uh, but I can see the the balance because you you don't want to you do want to state that this is something different otherwise you'll be swallowed up and co-opted and people will say ah I see what you're saying yeah we'll call it sprints now and we're agile job done <laughs> so it's that it's that balance of trying to show the value of working differently trying to show that if you think differently about these things it might solve some of the issues we have uh, in a way that people will listen to, but also in a way that persuades them that, that change is the right direction. Right. Okay. So I guess uh, along those lines of like knowing the process and the organization, how are you keeping teams aligned in terms of project goals and priorities? Are you, are you relying on process or are there other tactics that you're kind of employing to, to make sure that everyone is actually on target? Mm. So we've got very fairly different approaches given that uh, projects, project teams work with different areas of the business. So they get used to different ways of uh, describing success or the, the outcomes that they want. Uh, but one thing we're using in a lot of places is OKRs, the objectives and key results right. that uh, made famous by Google and then by lots of other people who wanted to try that too. <laughs> I think that can be really, really useful if you keep it to a small number so what would outrageous success look like? And if we do these things, we're happy. And often there's there's a thousand things that people are hoping to get out of it. And you say, well, for this period of time, let's just focus on this. And what would good look like for that? To keep things as simple as you can. And it's really important to get everyone on the team aware of those and talking about how we're doing towards those. So don't just 
Uh, people call them New Year's resolutions. Don't just make it at the start and then tuck it away in a drawer. Take it out <laughs> and look surprised. Yeah. You have to keep it alive in the teams. And the other thing is uh, they're, they're only useful if all the stakeholders as well see that as the way to describe success. If you're hoping to get something different out of this, you should be talking about changing those rather than saying, yeah, yeah, yeah that's your OKRs. But here's what I really hope will happen. I love it. Yeah. We actually use OKRs at Team Gantt and I personally, as someone who who produces work and content, I find it really helpful just to have something to strive toward, right? Um, you know, it's it's a goal. It's a bottom line goal that you're trying to meet. And just having a team kind of rally around that can be really helpful too. Um, but I want to dig in a little bit deeper on kind of team dynamics, right? Um, and, and a little bit about team building. Um, you know, I think when you hear, at least in the States, when people hear team building, they think of something like a trust fall, you know, or, or these <laughs> cheesy exercises that are just seen as, as terrible, you know, and, and people seem to kind of like turn their noses up at things like that. Um, and I wonder how you feel about those kinds of exercises, especially knowing that you kind of do a little bit of an extended intake process and you do that extra work to try to make sure that everyone's kind of accommodated for or accounted for in the process, um, everyone on the team. Um, so are there any kind of exercises or practices that you think can help teams to kind of bond? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think lots lots of places I've heard that team building is important, and here's some examples of what you can do. And then without much thought about how does this fit to your situation or explanation of what you're trying to achieve there, it just gets rolled out and people do them. And I think... They can always tell when the people are setting it up, think, I hear you people need teams built. I'm all right. I'm going to need this, but you go for it. And also that you've done that thing now, you've fallen over and caught each other, so you should be brilliant. Don't complain to me again. (laughs) Being honest with people about what you hope to achieve, why it's important for a team to work together and you're looking for ways to build that. And being honest with yourself that this is how humans work well together and you need some of that too. So don't hold yourself aloof from it. Um, and also seeing it as any exercise is the start of a process and the important thing is to keep it alive. It can start work and then there's more to do later. One of my absolute uh, favourite exercises I've been using recently, uh, more and more in teams in different situations, is called the um, empathy survey which is a sort of game show retrospective. I'll, I'll send you the link after okay, this. Okay, great. Uh, somebody called Stephen Mounsey did a talk about it once, uh, and I've just been riffing on that theme for quite a while. So the idea is you ask a lot of questions for the team. There's some, uh, depending on what you want to know more about, what issue you're digging into, there's some quite serious ones, like what's, what's one issue you feel is really holding us back as a team? Or if you could change one thing about the way we're working together, what would it be? or any things like that. Interspersed with other, it's important to see people as people. So things like, uh, what's one TV show you absolutely refuse to watch? Or uh, what job would you have done if you weren't doing this one? So a mix of serious, maybe quite painful to talk about ones, and silly, but still useful to know about. And I'd introduce it like that. Like, there are good reasons to know somebody as a whole person. It helps with every conversation you have with them later. Everyone puts their answers to the questions up on a game show format and your facilitator, your friendly delivery manager usually, uh, would go around in different ways getting people to answer other people's questions for points. So the important thing there is you're trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. So even if you don't get the answers right, if you just thought, given what I know about this person, 
what would they say is holding us back? And just for a minute, if you think about what have they been saying they're frustrated on, what, what kind of thing do I expect them to want to change? It's just a good exercise that starts to build empathy. And that combined with other things later on, the more you think about how things look to other people and how might, how might they see the world, uh, the better you're going to work together as a team. I love that. I will definitely share that link with listeners too, because I think that sounds like not only a fun exercise, but one that can be so helpful to quickly get to know people on your team mm. and, and understand what their motivations are, right? So on the along the lines of kind of motivation, you know, I think one of the biggest questions that I get from project managers is how do I motivate my team? You know, and I think that's because it's it's always a challenge for project leads or delivery leads because they don't actually manage those people, right? Like they're not line managers. Someone in their own community practice is a line manager. So when things get tough, it can kind of be difficult to step in and steer someone in the right direction because you really don't have much authority. Um, have you ever encountered that type of situation? Yeah, I think it's true to some extent everywhere on every team. It's really confusing. Nowadays in a big organization, you've got... Uh, what does your line manager say is important, which probably comes from what your role's trying to achieve. So front-end developers might want to achieve something very different than uh, user researchers are working on. Right. What are you personally trying to develop? What What is it this project's trying to achieve, which probably is at odds with 10 other things that might motivate you in different directions? <laughs> yeah. It can be hard to, to get aligned around one thing. Yeah. Um, one, one quote I like that I think is from... Uh, Drucker was about people start off motivated and it's often that organizations have crushed that out of them. So what you're trying to do is put motivation back in where it could have existed already. I think uh, a really important motivation is being clear on which of the many, many things that we say are important are really important this time and getting everyone on board with that idea. So quite often that can be around if, if delivery of this thing is important while keeping everything else in mind how can we get everyone else to care about that see it's important and hear like what do we get if this is if this is uh, meets its goals if this does the right thing how does that advance us as a team as a organization all together and to talk about that plenty i think that really helps definitely yeah i think there are are two la layers or maybe even three layers of goals right like it's organizational goals and making sure that everyone's aligned to those and understands why those goals are important to the or, uh, organization, um, as well as a layer down to your kind of community of practice. You know, what are the goals that you have as a team and the goals that a development team versus a design team have might be different. And then on the individual level, it's also, uh, you know, why am I motivated to do this job? Where am I going in my career? And what are my overall goals? Um, or what are my goals to advance even within the organization? So it's a, a lot a lot to deal with and it's a lot to kind of untangle as a person who's really on the ground level of a project just trying to get that thing done. So I think that what you've explained makes sense. It's, um, you, you kind of have to connect with a person doing kind of the exercises that you're talking about help you to connect on that kind of individual level. And then it's, to me, it's about really good communication, right? It's um, if someone feels or, or seems not motivated to do work or they're resistant to doing work, it's a matter of sitting down and having an open and honest conversation with them about it and, and figuring out what is going to motivate them. What, what is it that's, that's not working for them and how can we kind of rectify it together? 
So I, I don't know. I, I feel like I people ask me this question fairly often, and I don't ever feel like I have a great response because, you know, it, it is very dependent on the person and the situation. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of rambling now. But in terms of motivation and team building, I'm just curious, are there any books or articles or resources? I know that you've mentioned a, a few, but do you have any recommendations for our lister, listeners and things that they might want to kind of dig deeper on on those topics yeah one book i've uh, just finished is the culture code uh, by i'm not going to guess who wrote it <laughs> we can share that in a link later absolutely so the culture code looks at uh, high performing teams across a range of different industries and it's got lots of really interesting stories about the similarities between them um, my current thesis is around uh, if people can just talk together better about what's working for them or not. That's often the first stumbling block. If you can just get past that to where people are open with each other and speak up when there's an issue or even just speak up when something's working well for them, uh, a lot of the other stuff's just going to work itself out. So an interesting book on that topic would be uh, Fearless by Amy Edmondson. Okay. So that's the researcher who first discovered psychological safety she was looking in hospitals and found the the highest performing surgical teams it had much less to do with uh, having the right range of skills in the team or people of the similar abilities or any of the things you might look at it was where do people feel most welcome to speak up uh, and there's all kinds of factors you can do to try and improve that and really clear examples of the bad things that happen when the default is silence I think you miss out on people just don't say what's not working for them or why they're not motivated or what they think would work better. But also you miss out on all kinds of good ideas. If you're in an environment where you're not quite sure what's going to happen, if you say something that isn't right, if people are going to shout at you and blame you for it. If you've got an idea that you're only maybe 50% sure might be a good one, but it might be fantastic. It's just safer to stay quiet. Yeah. So it sounds like it's very much about creating an environment where everyone feels safe to speak up. Or speak out. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was uh, Amy Edmondson uh, discovered it and did really interesting work. And then it got super famous when Google did a wide ranging investigation into which the teams provided best. Couldn't quite understand what they were seeing until they found her work. And then it tied up exactly. And as soon as Google does something right, every business wants to know. So what's this thing? <laughs> That's given it a new lease of life recently. Cool. There are so many different directions we should take this conversation. I feel like this is at, at the highest level, but it's been so interesting. Um, and we try to keep our episodes to around 30 minutes, but that's going to lead me to my last question. I can't believe it. Um, so as you know, the show is called Time Limit, right? We're kind of giving a nod to the fact that everyone in business is working under constraints on time, whether you're a project manager a manager, a producer, you know, um, we're under constraints on time, on resources, budgets, and lots of other things. So um, let's say that I'm a project manager or delivery lead, and I feel really strapped for time. You know, I can't seem to get my team to be efficient and productive together. Are there any kind of like low effort, high impact practices that you might suggest for someone who's strapped for time and really wants to make the team gel a little bit better? Yeah, I think there's there's often uh, far more you can work on than there is time to do. Uh, so I think that's just natural and accepting that helps a lot. I like to make lists of here's all the areas I think we could work on with the team 
uh, and the kind of impacts I hope that would have. So we could get better at this, we could get better at that. Here's a list of them and put them in order for me. I think this is the one that's holding us back most of all. So I'm going to focus my efforts on that because it's easy to, to scar your attention and think, I had, I had so many good intentions and it's three months in and I've never worked on this aspect. Mm. So if you've written it down and you've consciously made the decision that it is important, but I think it's less of a priority than these, that helps me. And it's also useful to talk through with other people with your line manager or people in or outside the team say these are the choices I'm making and why what do you think it just calms everyone down to know that some things that are on fire that your team's just not good at you're not getting to them not because you don't realise it's important just because you think something else is more important now and once you've made that decision to say no or not now to all those other things and you've only got one thing to focus on now I think that really really helps so just take a look at that remember you're focusing on it and work out how you can make a dent in it I like coming that. back to that list of choosing if it's time to move on to the next thing yet yeah so would you share that list with your team or work with your team I to prioritize it I have done in the past yeah it's really useful especially when you feel like uh, you've taken on a big team with so many so much work coming in and so many new new processes you'd have to introduce to fix it and team dynamics going on I have made that list visible and it's useful as well because as a delivery manager you're there to serve the team so I think they should have a say in what service would they like first I like it yeah I think the idea of just having a list and making everyone aware of what's on that list can probably help you to solve some of those challenges without actively working on it right like Sometimes just knowing that something's wrong will plant a seed in someone's brain and then they'll figure out a way of of working around it or a way of addressing it and that it becomes a non-issue eventually. So I really love that idea. Again, I, I think it comes back to just open communication and, and honesty. Mm, that's the root of most things. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, this has been awesome, uh, Neil. How, do you have anything else that you want to share with our listeners before we sign off? Uh, no, I think we've covered plenty of things. So thanks for having me on, Brett. Yeah, thanks so much for joining. I hope we get to talk again soon. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All right. That's all for this episode. I hope to have Neil back sometime soon to explore some more themes around managing and motivating teams. Until then, check out the show notes for a comprehensive list of awesome resources Neil recommends. And to check out Team GAN as well. And if you're liking the show, please rate and review us on your favorite podcasting network. That'll help us to spread the word and reach more folks and find even more great people to interview. See you next time.